0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of FF+. I'm your host, Aaron White, and you're tuned in to my fourth episode of Sundance Coverage. Still doing recaps with a few more left to come, but for this episode, I have with me the man that I spent maybe the most time with when I was in Park City, my fellow Seattle Film Critics Society member from For Real. His name is Thomas Stoneham Judge. Thank you for being here.
1: Yes. Glad to be here and happy to have spent most of your time hanging out with you. <laughs> <laughs> you might
0: have, you should have just said, you're welcome <laughs> for me. I, I'm, you're welcome that I
1: blessed you with my presence, Aaron. <laughs> my My time is valuable. Now I sound really pretentious. I take that back. Edit that out. <laughs> Absolutely not. Thomas is awesome. And we had
0: a blast in Park City. I got to meet and hang out with some of his crew from his website for real. He has an amazing team of writers there and they were awesome guys uh, to get to know and learn from as well. But yeah, I just wanted to start off, man. Like what was this like for you? You were in Park City, I've already spoiled that, but what was the highlights of your Sundance experience this year?
1: You know, I'm sure I'm going to reflect the sentiments of many of us attendees at Sundance in in expressing how awesome it was being in Park City, being at Sundance. I've had the privilege of covering covering the festival twice virtually, and so this was also my first time actually being able to attend in person, and it just, it was so cool. I mean, the film festival experience in general can be exciting and exhausting, and just, uh, an incredible time but particularly with Sundance it's just such an electric atmosphere being on Main Street you know going from screening to screening and, and talking with so many people and and being able to have conversations everyone is so personable at Sundance everybody wants to talk to each other and, and share their thoughts about movies and what they've seen and so it was it, it's just such a wonderful experience and uh, yeah I was I was happy to be a part of it and happy to uh you know get the chance to see uh, a few movies with you and, and hang out with you
0: were there any films that stood out to you particularly outside of the three that we're going to talk about here
1: yes the very last film that i so we we picked our our three before i saw my last sundance film so um, Uh i i was at home finishing out the festival virtually and i and sunday night i chose one more film to watch and that is the film called i think it's is it pronounced scrapper yeah it's just
0: scrapper like scrap metal
1: yeah I was saying scraper for a long time. I don't know why, but scrapper. Uh, anyway, it's that that movie was just so charming uh, and just so delightful. And and it makes me happy that I was able to start the festival with a very charming film, which we'll talk about today, and also end the festival with a very charming film. Uh, I think this continues my tradition of ending Sundance on a really high note and on a really good movie. So I'm, I'm happy to say that three years in a row that I could do that.
0: Yeah, Scrapper was the last narrative film that I watched as well, coincidentally. And (laughs) funny because we watched together our first film of the festival as well, the one we're going to talk about. (laughs) Isn't that kind of awesome? I I thought Scrapper (laughs) was really sweet as well. It's about a young girl who is living alone and she's lost her mom and then her dad, who I feel like he's in his like mid-20s, very clearly not ready to be a dad, I guess probably maybe late 20s, but he pops back up into her life. And it's a London or British based film about connection and has some interesting directorial visual flourishes to it. But it is just a really charming and sweet story. It's not the kind of thing that you've never seen before, but it is well executed. And it has one of what I think is going to be the better Uh, child performances of the year as well. Her name is Lola Campbell, and she plays the main female lead. And I have already written her down on my SFCS awards (laughs) tracker so that I do not forget.
1: (laughs) Good, good call there. I absolutely agree with that. It was actually, so I spent a lot of the movie thinking, ah, the dad guy, where have I seen him from? And Google didn't remember. Oh, yeah, that was uh, just recently with Triangle of Sadness. So cool to see him in this very different role. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh, it is right.
0: You're right. Oh my mind is blown.
1: Yeah, see you guys listening can't see Aaron's reaction, but this is exactly my reaction when I went to the IMDB and oh. I'm like, "Oh, that's right. I remember now." Yep. <laughs> oh,
0: I like him so much better in this, for what it's worth. Uh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <hey>. <laughs>
1: All
0: right. Well, let's get into this. We're going to start and we've got 3 movies to talk about. I shouldn't say whether they're good or not. You'll find that out here in a second. First up is Magazine Dreams uh, from Los Angeles Media Fund, and it has not been picked up for distribution yet, which is wild to me, but I guess it's controversial. <laughs> so we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, the film stars Jonathan Majors, Haley Bennett, Taylor Page, Mike O'Hearn, Harrison Page, and Harriet Sansom Harris. It is written and directed by Elijah Bynum. It runs 124 minutes. What's it about? A black amateur bodybuilder struggles to find human connection in this exploration of celebrity and violence. First and foremost, Jonathan Majors gives a titanic performance as Killian Maddox, and he completely transforms into this shy but obsessive bodybuilder full of rage from a lifetime of very traumatic experiences. He takes us on a dark and intense journey that, I kid you not, it can weigh heavy on the soul while you're watching this. But it is also one that I think evokes empathy and ultimately offers hope, which is a very important piece of my feelings about this film. His performance is incredible. Like, there's just no bones about that. And I fully expect him to be in heavy Oscar contention if or when this film does get distribution but it's not an easy one to watch. If you've read or seen any other comments about this movie on Twitter, you'll understand how controversial it has been. It puts you as a viewer in a near constant state of anxiety for two hours. You are clutching the armrests of your chair and you are going on this roller coaster ride with Killian Maddox. Each new event that takes place in his life. We feel him teetering on the edge, as he calls it, this beast within him, seemingly right on the verge of exploding in a way that just is going to devastate both him and possibly those around him forever. It's really impressive filmmaking from Elijah Bynum, though. It includes a couple of incredible one-take shots, very immersive sound design, plenty of great needle drops and a visual style that utilizes lens flare and strobe lighting to great effect at times. Make no mistake about it though, the character study is not easy to sit through. If you want a comparison, films like Taxi Driver, pretty much all of Aronofsky's filmography, Black Swan and The Wrestler, those are the kind of movies that will help you set your expectations accordingly for what you're going to experience when you sit down to watch magazine dreams. I personally think that challenging films are fascinating, and I have not stopped thinking about this one since I saw it. What it may lack due to occasional editing issues, maybe a little bit too long, and the one just embarrassingly wasted Taylor Page scene Uh, I think it's far out overshadowed by how gutsy it is, and it's just really thoroughly engrossing storytelling. And again, if you didn't believe it before, you can't see this film and not come away knowing that Jonathan Majors is an absolute star. This is his year. He is a force. And no matter what you end up thinking about the movie, I think that it's worth seeing just for what he does individually, no matter what. How did you feel about this one? Because, <laughs> Thomas, this, like I said, this is controversial. And and I don't know that I'm on the majority side here. I might be in the minority with my take.
1: So i I actually watched this movie twice. I watched the press wow. screening, and then I caught the encore screening virtually. And I this is definitely in competition with oh another one that we're not mentioning today uh with past lives as like my favorite film of the year and it's hard to like rank those two because they're two very very different movies but i suppose there is one similarity that might tie them and and maybe my interest in them together is is this this theme of connection with people and uh, or maybe the lack of i guess i don't know um they there's um but I agree with everything that you just said in that in that monologue or your review there is that there's there's so much to take away from the film. And, and I know that people kind of call it controversial. I think it, there is suspense to it. I, I was kind of misled because I think it was labeled as a drama in, in uh, on the page. And it is it's so much more than a drama. Um, it's certainly a psychological thriller. There's a lot of suspense, a lot of tension, a lot of anxiety. But I think what is also interesting with this one is that there's also a lot of uh, social justice warrior happening here because a lot of social issues come up in this film. It It hits on gun violence. It hits on racism. It hits on mental issues. And I think it does it all in such a way that is very... Uh, appropriate for this particular character and very authentic right I didn't feel like it was too forced I recognized it when it happened but it also made sense for the story that was happening and the context in which it's trying to to identify in in real society so but ultimately the thing I haven't said yet is the thing that everybody is talking about with this film is that yes Jonathan Major's Fantastic performance. Incredible just transformation into this character. Completely just investing himself into who this character is and, and the struggles that this character is going through. But. Yeah, I was, the first time I watched it, I was thoroughly impressed with him. I was thoroughly impressed with the movie in general, especially because I had actually uh, recently watched uh, Hot Summer Nights, Elijah Bynum's directorial debut, just to kind of get a sense of what I could expect from Magazine Dreams. And let me tell you something, Hot Summer Nights does not set you up for what to expect with Magazine Dreams. They are two totally different films. And I appreciate that. It seems to indicate a level of growth to elijah's style of filmmaking and i love what he did here despite how intense and how much anxiety you might get out of this movie there's also a lot of tenderness to it with how the score is done and how you know the the grace that this character is trying to find the the redemption and salvation that he's trying to find within himself it's there's so much to digest with this movie i I want to watch it again i'm actually shocked that it does not have distribution yet i know that like i said it's kind of controversial but this it just seems like an A24 film to me A24 or neon it just seems like it belongs with one of those two banners and I'm I'm surprised that it's not there yet
0: I am too I agree with you 100% like I (laughs) was shocked that it wasn't already I actually went into the festival thinking that it was already picked up ahead of the festival like I thought it had already Mm -hmm. been an A24 you just it feels that way but you're right neon is a good fit as well I wonder if because of the response to it there's a potential negotiation happening where mm. there might be an expectation to change the movie. And I, I've never been part of this because I've never been to a festival where this happens, but I do understand that it occurs t- sometimes where you know a festival movie will change from what you see before it actually comes out. And I hope that's not the case, unless they're just taking out the Taylor Page scene, <laughs> which I think
1: adds nothing <laughs> to the movie. You know what? I, in a spoiler episode, we'll talk about the Taylor Page scene. Okay. I think that there's some, there's some utility to that scene, even if it is kind of vain. Um, so <laughs> I do wish Taylor Page was used a lot more. You know, she, she has that one scene and that's kind of all for her, um, which is unfortunate. But uh, I do, I, I. I got some utility out of that scene. And We're I can I hate that I can't talk more about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, we don't want to we don't want to give too much away. You know, he right. experiences these different relationships with people in his life, whether it's a dating relationship or business relationships. He's completely obsessed with this bodybuilder that his is his idol and that plays a huge role in the story, um, him kind of trying to meet this person and what that eventually looks like. And, and how it plays out in his life in a way that makes oh, Thomas re- shake his head I'm in frustration. Replaying,
1: <laughs> I'm replaying the movie in my head and just getting very frustrated. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. in a good way, in uh, a good way. Honestly, again, I this is the only movie at Sundance that I saw twice. So hopefully that says something.
0: Yeah, I think it does. I think it does. So we're both good and high on this one and hoping that everyone will get a chance to see it at some point later this year. Okay, next up is Radical from Three Pies Studios. Also does not have distribution yet, which I find mind-boggling because this movie is just so sweet. It stars Eugenio Derbez, Daniel Haddad, Jennifer Trejo, Mia Fernanda Solis, and Danilo Guardiola. And it is written and directed by Christopher Zala. It runs 127 minutes. What's it about? In a Mexican border town plagued by neglect, corruption, and violence, a frustrated teacher tries a radical new method to break through his students' apathy and unlock their curiosity, their potential, and maybe even their genius. So unbeknownst to me, when I sat down to watch this movie, uh, this is telling a true story of a teacher named Sergio Juarez and his unorthodox but effective teaching methods. To a failing sixth grade class in this poor Mexican border town of Matamoros. What Juarez brings instead is a student centered approach that is built around the idea of finding out what the kids are interested in learning and building a curriculum around that instead of teaching to a book or to a test. The kids almost all face some kind of challenge to their learning environment, externally speaking. And the script is devastatingly honest about how poverty, family obligations, and even local crime can derail a young person's life and potential. It shows how corruption, archaic educational systems, and self-centered teaching techniques based on heavy discipline, uh, and also questionable focus on standardized testing, can prevent students from excelling as well. And while the story may be set in Mexico, I found that it is very relatable to what many American families uh, face as well. Eugenio Derbez is mostly known probably for his comic persona, but he gives a really powerfully affecting performance. It's full of humor and grace, and it beautifully captures uh, Juarez's idealistic beliefs about education. There are three child actors who play specific characters at the heart of this story, Uh, a young budding scientific genius named Paloma, who works with her father selling junk, Uh, a girl who takes an interest in philosophy that is forced to take care of multiple younger siblings named Lupita, and then the brother of a street gang member named Nico, who is also a bit of a class clown, and and he has a, a little bit of a romantic interest in Paloma. All of these kids deliver really impactful performances that deeply tugged on my heartstrings as well. Though the story is earnest and often really full of fun, it's not without tragedy. And it shows the reality of the situation, and it makes the hopeful tone all the more moving in the end, in my opinion. It's an easy mark to compare this to Coda, and not just because they share... Eugenio Derbez performances as a teacher, (laughs) but uh, fans of that film will most likely find themselves, I think really swept away and moved by this story too. And for my first ever in-person film at Sundance Film Festival, I felt like I really hit the jackpot uh, because this is a movie that I will remember forever and treasure. And it's something that I truly, unlike a lot of movies you watch at Sundance, I can recommend this to all of my friends and family.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything that you've said. So I think you're right. There is something special about this movie, specifically in our situations where we, this, this was our first ever in-person Sundance screening. And so. For that reason, in particular, this movie will hold a very special place in my heart. And I'm happy that this is this is the movie that I got to experience Sundance for the first time with because it is so charming and so just inspiring. I actually I forgot that Eugenia was in CODA. Uh, Good job bringing that up. Um, But yeah, it certainly has those feel good vibes for sure. And even though it's over two hours long, that might seem kind of long, but it because of how engaging it is and how engrossing it is with how these characters develop and, and the conflicts that um that they run into and trying to do this thing that we are all kind of in agreement is is what's best for the kids. But then you have this district who kind of plays uh, you know, the villain of the of the movie just wanting to teach to the book which opens up a whole conversation about educational systems that i need more beers to <laughs> to talk about um right. because there's certainly a lot that we can dive into within the mexican society and an american society but yes i found this one very charming very you know easy to watch um like if i think about like who could distribute this film i would i would point to searchlight This seems like something that Searchlight could pick up and and be appropriate under that banner. But yeah, I look forward to this going out into the world. And I really do think that the mainstream audiences will be charmed by this.
0: Do you think that it's going to fight an uphill battle because it's in Spanish and not in English?
1: I I hope not. I really hope not. I know we don't
0: want it to, but...
1: Yeah, I think that... I hope that it's charming enough. Look, this last year, we saw a three hour Indian film called RRR went over a whole bunch of audiences uh, that may not have otherwise picked up a foreign language film to watch on Netflix. So I'm holding out hope. I'm holding out hope. This is certainly one that, uh, you know, even with subtitles, I think it's still uh, is is something that will appeal to the masses.
0: I hope that you're right, because I think that it's so engaging. And it's so sweet and hopeful and just, I I just, I found it to be very inspirational as well. And I really would like it to get picked up and find a wide audience, whatever. I mean, I would love for it to get a theatrical release too, but I would almost Mm -hmm. (laughs) rather it just go to a streamer because I don't think it will do very well in theaters anyway. No, I mean, I, Mm -hmm. I can want it to all the, you know, I can will (laughs) it, but I I mean, I can't force it to happen. But I think if it was very accessible to people on Amazon prime or on a Netflix or even on like, it's not really an HBO max type of movie, but you know, on an HBO max where people just had to boom, it's there and they don't have to put in any work. I think they would be really moved by it. Uh, And I,
1: I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still under the Disney banner for some reason, like Disney plus Hulu. Yeah, honestly, I don't know why I'm so pro Disney on this one, but I totally
0: forget that Searchlight is Disney all the time mm-hmm. for some reason. <laughs> I think it's because we we stopped calling it Fox, and so right. I I just associate Fox and not Searchlight, but
1: yes, <laughs> that's a
0: good point. I I agree with you. Just like I did when we talked about this over drinks at one point, I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Go to Disney. But yes, great movie. Fantastic. Um, Really sweet. Mm -hmm. Last up is Shortcomings, also does not have distribution yet. This stars Justin H. Min, Sherry Cola, Ali Maki, Tavi Gevinson, Debbie Ryan, Sonoya Mizuno, Stephanie Su, Ronnie Ching, Jacob Batalon, and Timothy Simons. It is directed by Randall Park, his directorial debut. And it is written by Adrian Tomine and based on his long form graphic novel of the same name, I believe. Runs 92 minutes. What's it about? A trio of young Bay Area urbanites, Ben Tanaka, Miko Hayashi, and Alice Kim, as they navigate a range of interpersonal relationships, traversing the country in search of the ideal connection. I think that's a bit of a cheat to say, traversing the country. They make one <laughs> trip across the country. But hey, uh, so I'm going to keep this real short, and then I'm really excited to hear what you think about it. For me, thankfully, shortcomings eventually justified spending 90 minutes with what is a total dick of a main character who is impossible to root for. This was a real challenge for me because Ben Tanaka is one of those people who is very suave. He effortlessly flirts and lies and he deflects anything that he says that is rude and hurtful by claiming it was a joke. We know people like this in our real lives. I don't like him in my real life and I hated him in this movie. And it's really tough when that is your connecting point into a story. I guess that since that's the point of the performance, I have to give some props to Justin H. Min because he's excellent. Like he sells it perfectly. He he does a really really good job, and I think that the supporting cast as a whole are all very delightful in their roles. You'll notice probably many of the names that I mentioned: Debbie Ryan, former Disney uh, star, Sonoya Muzuno, my personal like crush on her knows no bounds. Um, Stephanie Sue, Jacob Batalon, Spider-Man's best friend. (laughs) And then the best performance in the movie is really probably from Sherry Cola, who plays Ben's best friend. And, you know, she's dealing with her own brand of relationship drama with some of her girlfriend situations. And she's really sweet and funny in the movie. And I think she's relatable because she stays friends with Ben to an extent, even when maybe a lot of us viewing it think that she shouldn't but she also at the same time is not afraid of calling him out on his bs and being very blunt with him but yet she still tries to stay supportive this is not a movie that is going to stick with me beyond watching it but i think that it is a sharply written directorial debut uh or you know graphic novel adaptation i should say and and it is a well directed Film, and I think it has some interesting commentary on race and relationships at times. I didn't hate watching the movie, I enjoyed the banter enough to come away being entertained. And ultimately, like I said earlier at the very beginning, the movie, the way the story wraps itself up, I think the end justifies the means here because. It does something that is not quite what you might expect from the normal Hollywood formula of a story like this. And that made it work for me. But that being said, it's hard. And if you don't like watching characters that are just being a jerk for 90 minutes, you might struggle with this one like I did. But I, I think Thomas is higher on this. So I'm excited to hear like where he's coming to this from and if you did you read the graphic novel also I have that question for you
1: you know I, I did not read the graphic novel but I will give a shout out to Taylor Beaumont one of the writers for for real who owns the graphic novel and who I was able to get that autograph by Adrian so kind of a cool experience there being on the press line and, and being able to get that autograph for him two reasons why this movie doesn't quite hit me the same way that you, or at least the, the main character here, doesn't quite hit me the same way you did. First reason is because I watched passages, and uh, Tomas, played by Franz uh, Rogowski, I think, will <laughs> okay, will worse, be the most unlikely. <laughs> we'll be on yes he is the worst uh character at sundance this year okay (laughs) so i watched that one first and already established that you just don't get worse than tomas in uh in passages and the second reason that then as a super unlikable character didn't quite hit me as hard as you is because i had the chance to talk with justin um on the press line and he is just the most likable person and so maybe that ruined my suspense of disbelief a little bit (laughs) but uh you know uh, joking aside like out outer context aside it's certainly a movie that i i enjoyed watching just to see how these characters and their their situations unfold i think i appreciate how unideal their situations are and how imperfectly the movie unfolds i guess it doesn't necessarily follow the standard cliches of a romance film in my opinion and i and i kind of appreciated that It was it was a little refreshing to like wonder well what's gonna happen next and uh you know how are these characters going to handle each other if they're going to handle each other you know who's gonna separate from who and and you know all that stuff so i i appreciated that about it and i think i mean it's charming i don't know if it was as funny as i expected it to be but i still think that it's maybe charm is not the right word it's um maybe lighthearted. isn't it's easy to watch i guess unlikable character aside with Ben it is it is easy to watch I think if this was on a streaming service it'd be an easy one to throw on and just kind of enjoy for an evening and yeah I I and I thought I think it it accomplished that as a directorial debut I think it was a solid directorial debut from Randall Park and I you know I, I hope that maybe it gets some traction within the Asian American community because I know that this movie really is it is hoping I don't know if it's hoping to but I'm hoping that it's a banner for promoting Asian American talent in the industry, and I would like to see more of that, more diversity in film. And I, and that's actually something that this movie pokes fun at, which is I think the the meta self aware nature of it is is probably the funniest part about it. There's even a point. Uh, who's who's the kid that plays Ned? What's his name?
0: Jacob Battleon.
1: Yes, when he makes yeah. the Spider-Man reference. He I'm, does. It's I'm funny. not spoiling too much, but he makes a Spider-Man reference. And, and when he gets to that, it's it's really funny. So the, the self-aware nature of it, the, the social commentary, the you know, and and I think the, the ease of watching it as a rom-com is, is a lot of what made this movie appealing for me.
0: That's fair. I think that you're right <laughs> on. And, you know, I'm definitely interested to see what Randall Park does next. This is our first chance to get him behind a camera. I think some of his sensibilities and comedic nature do show up here. Uh, I've I've enjoyed him previously in his work. And I think that that is here. And he did assemble like just a really great cast. I mean, I can't say that enough. Like even when Ben is being a jerk, the jokes work like almost Mm -hmm. all of them. I laugh. While I'm also cringing, it's it's a very <laughs> odd experience to have. It's just, it's just relentless. Like there's no up and down to this character. Like, he is just a p- pill, man. Like, I just don't like him at all. Uh, he's nasty. Ugh, makes me angry mm-hmm. the way that he <laughs> treats people. Uh, and And I hope that people will maybe be inspired to not tolerate anyone in their life that acts like him (laughs) because
1: they should i think that's certainly that's certainly something to take away from this movie is how you know these supporting characters handle him right like they associate at least he has a best friend who associates with but they put him in his place too when they need to and so you know there's some there's some some social learning there when you when dealing with a with a tool
0: (laughs) yes yes there is (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that is it for this episode. But Thomas, please tell everybody where they can find you and your work and that of your awesome team as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is actually a really good selection of films. Magazine Dreams, I currently have a review up for on my website. Radical, I have a press line for online and Shortcomings, I should have a press line going online pretty shortly. So I covered all three of these films uh, in one way or another. You can find all that coverage and the rest of my team's coverage, more reviews, press lines, interviews uh, at thisisforreal.com. You can also connect with us on social media. The links to our social media will be on the website. And of course, you can connect with me personally on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, LinkedIn, TikTok, like all the social medias at being TSJ. Awesome. Thank you for doing
0: this with me. I appreciate it. It was so much fun. I can't wait till the next Mm -hmm. festival that we get to hang out and watch movies together because it really is a blast. And it was an experience for me that I will never forget. And I appreciate you helping shepherd me through this one
1: uh, as a guy. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. A lot of fun. Glad we got to do it.
0: All right, listeners. Well, that's it for this episode of FF Plus. Like I mentioned, there are more episodes on Sundance to come. So keep your ears out and your eyes out for those. I'll be back soon. Until then, keep watching and keep feeling film.